Whether you're a first-time poultry owner or looking to expand your flock, you can always use some helpful advice. Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered. With great info and products to help raise healthy birds in-store or online at farmandfleet.com forward slash chick days. Imagine having 16,000 apple trees ready to bloom, but there are no pollinators to make sure those blooms result in an apple crop. That's why the Cider Farm and Mineral Point has been creating a wealth of wild pollinator habitat around their orchard. Owner Deirdre Birmingham says they're glad they had the wild pollinator populations this year after running into a bit of an obstacle. We have done um, so much over the years to enhance uh, wild bee or wild pollinator um, habitat on our farm. So we go to great extents to do that. And so this year it really paid off because... As you recall, uh, in May, we got a sudden warm-up. We had a nice, very slow, cool spring, which apple growers really like, and then all of a sudden it hit the 90s in mid-May, and the trees just rapidly went into blossom, and they were blossoming fast and furious, especially on our our early varieties. And I thought, hmm, I haven't noticed uh, the dandelions and vegetation honeybees, and I usually see those from a a beekeeper who sets up across the road from us on a, on a farm um, across the road from us. And so I contacted him, and he said, oh, his bees are still in Texas. His honeybees are still in Texas. And I said, well, we're, we're pollinating, uh, or we're blooming now, and we'll probably be done by, by the weekend. And, though, and uh, so no bees came. Everything was done by wild. And I was concerned because we were going to have a big crop this year after losing crop last year due to three freezes. That means the following year you're, you'll have a lot of blossoms. And so <clears throat> I don't want everything to be pollinated, but I certainly want some. And I knew the wild pollinators would have lots of choices because everything was blooming. You had dandelions that just exploded across the landscape, and you had lots of wild uh, trees flowering, such as wild apples. Um, and plums out there on the landscape. So um, I'm just so glad for our habitat here, and it kept wild bees focusing on our crop. So now for those early varieties, I'm going to have a crop of apples, and I thank the wild bees for it. As you said, it took you years to build up uh, the infrastructure for native pollinators. So this isn't something you can just do at the drop of a hat. Can you tell me how much time put in and what were those tactics to attract those wild pollinators? Well, we started working with the uh, USDA, um, both the Farm Service Agency and the Natural Resource Conservation Service to use programs that would help us expand pollinator habitat. So that's taken multiple forms. Uh, We converted 30 acres of crop ground to prairie. Uh, we were able to put in pollinator habitat strips around the orchard. And, um, and then we also, on our own, just selectively mow. So we uh, literally, all my employees know, you mow around milkweed, you mow around flower, uh, uh, native plants, whether they're flowering or not. And then in our orchard alleyways, the space in between the rows of trees, we alternate our mowing. So we leave one row long, and then we mow the other one short. And we do that throughout the season so that in every other row, you've always got something seeding or flowering. And you need that habitat from April through October if you want to keep your uh, wild pollinators around. 
Um, and, uh, and then we've also, when we put in windbreaks with the NRCS help, we um, also worked with the Xerces Society, a nonprofit focused on invertebrate conservation, to pick um, the shrub that would be of the most benefit to pollinators. So we had multiple choices, and we, with their help, were able to, to pick out one that worked uh, with our system. It wouldn't compete when the apples are blooming, yet it would, it would, it would come on after the apples are blooming and uh, provide continuity of flowering plants, um, especially a, a shrub as opposed to just the forbs that are uh, shorter growing. So it's been, it's been a lot of things over the years and things that we just continue, and it's just great to have a year. Well, it was stressful, <laughs> but uh, it's just been rewarding uh, to see that, yes, we'll have apples uh, thanks to those wild pollinators when there were no, no honeybees in the area. And you gave us a great list of resources that you were able to take advantage of, but what did cost look like? Were you able to quantify the dollar amount that you put into investing in wild pollinators, and are you able to see if that paid back? Well, boy, that would be a project to look over. Um, gosh, we started, um, I think our first real concerted effort may have been 2004, 2005. Um, so it take a lot of uh, <laughs> looking back at records um, to do that, but um, and record keeping is just is just really good. So um, I'm more and more convinced, and uh, trying to just uh, also ramp up my my record keeping abilities, so that maybe someday I could actually actually quantify that. I've never thought about it, and I haven't been asked that question before. But it's um, it's certainly one worth exploring. Deirdre, you will be talking to the Wisconsin Women in Conservation on June 23rd about enhancing pollinators. What will be your key points to share with them? Um, well, I think that it has to be a long-term view. I mean, orcharding is a long-term process, um, and so that comes a little bit naturally for me. But you need to look at, you know, what you're doing now may not pay off that year or the next year, but it's over the years um, that, that it will do that. And it's not just even for, you know, my apple crop. It's for the health of our, of our ecosystem around here. Um, I'm also a big supporter of um, our local uh, dairy farms. I've got two small dairy farms right within um, walking distance of me, just down the road on either side, and that's getting increasingly rare. They have lots of pasture, and so they're growing hay crops, and that's really beneficial to pollinators as well. So it's not just what I'm doing, but it's it's um, how we can help support our dairy farmers and keep more uh, small farms all around us with, uh, with hay crops and pasture crops um, because um, that's also causing a decline in bee populations is that loss of, of habitat. And even the commercial beekeeper that sets up across on uh, the farm across the road from us, he said over, he's been doing this for decades, he's about 70, and over the years he's only getting about one-third of the honey crop anymore just because of that um, change in the landscape uh, just across um, our region of Wisconsin, and it's uh, happening throughout Wisconsin. One resource you hadn't mentioned yet was the Wisconsin Bee app. Um, oh, yeah. Why don't you tell us what that is? Who should download it? Yes, yeah, so anyone can download that. That is a new app. It came out a year or two ago from the University of Wisconsin-Madison from um, Professor Claudio Groton and his team. Uh, it's WeBee, that's W-I for Wisconsin, and then B-E-E, 
And uh, so people can be, I call it, citizen bee trackers. Um, my employees, they downloaded the app, and they have time when they're working here to go out and uh, do the surveys. So first they train you. Uh, it's just very simple. You just do this online training to um, understand major categories of bees, and then you go out into a crop that's flowering. It can be native plants. It can be pumpkins. It can be berries, anything. And then you do little five-minute surveys. It's a good chance to just slow down and kind of uh, not quite smell the roses, but observe observe the flowers and observe the bee activity and record what you're seeing. And then that information feeds into their system, and they can. It helps us. It helps all of us have a better understanding, and especially our research community, of what's going on in terms of the overall bee population and health in in our state. And beyond, because now um, with this app being out there for anybody to download, there's information coming in from from other areas as well. And there you have it, a list of tactics and resources for you to reach out to and take advantage of if you're looking to boost pollinators on your land. Deirdre Birmingham is along with us, co-owner of the Cider Farm in Mineral Point. They've got about 16,000 apple trees that they use to make hard apple ciders and other apple liqueurs. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff.